John Simmons Show. After years of battling a gambling addiction, John found a hope and a future for his life through Christ. He has spent the last several years encouraging others to find joy, peace, and hope in their lives by walking out God's plan for their lives. Now, John wants to help you find the passion, vision, and faith you need to start writing out God's sentence for your life and help you add to it every day. Four lines are now open. Call or text 314-880-0808. Now, here is your host, the new John Simmons. Good evening, everybody. It's the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network, where you can find God's sentence for your life and become the new you, where we talk about finding passion, vision, and faith in your walk with Christ so that your life can overflow with joy, peace, and hope today. Welcome to the show, everybody. Tonight's subject is going to be three ways you can find passion in your life. We haven't talked about the steps to finding God's sentence for your life in a while. I figured this would be a good time to do it. Of course, if this is your first time listening or you haven't tuned in in a while, God has a sentence for your life, which means that God has a unique plan for you, specific to you. It's not going to be the same thing he asked me to do. It's not going to be the same thing he asked your mom or your sister to do. God has a plan for you. God's plan for your life can encompass many areas of your life, including your work life, your ministry, your church, your family, your relationships, your friendships, anything that you do in life can have God's hand on it. Ultimately, what we refer to as your sentence is what you do faithfully for the Lord. Things that you are doing actively for the Lord, you believe he's called you to do these things and you are trying to participate in these behaviors. Whether it's fleeing from sin whether it's a specific word on somewhere you should go or something that you should do or someone you should help. God's plan for your life is very specific. John 10, 27 says that God speaks to us and that we should hear his voice. And when we hear his voice, we should also follow it. So following Jesus is a plan for his life as much as it is for our life. Even Jesus followed after God's will in his life. Jesus followed the voice of God. And so it's something we should strive to do in our own life. When we are following the voice of God, we are participating faithfully and acting out the things that God wants us to do. We call it finding God's sentence for our life. We want you to find God's sentence for your life. We want you to find the new you in this new year. 2018 can be the year of the you (laughs) where you are walking out faithfully God's perfect will for your life. What a great time to start the beginning of the year, to start actively pursuing the things that God has for you. Wouldn't you like to know what gifts and talents you have? If you already know areas where God has gifted you, wouldn't you like to mature in those areas? Wouldn't you like to grow in your ability to be better at using them and being able to be lifted up and be put in new positions where you can be more successful or maybe be able to influence others to do more with their life because you are gifted to inspire or encourage simply by using your gifts and talents? What an incredible idea it is that our lives are used by God in such an incredible way. But if you don't know that God has a plan for your life, how on earth will you ever find it? Hosea 4, 6 says, God's people are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. So if you're a person today who doesn't know that God has a plan for you, it's time to find out. There was a long time I lived that I didn't know God had a plan for me. I was 29 years old when I got born again. The very first time I ever stepped foot in a church, I heard a pastor tell me that, God had a vision, here's the words he used, a vision for Christians. And if you are a Christian and you didn't know what God had for you in your life, you need to start praying and asking for it. This was revelation knowledge to me. I had no idea that I was important. I had no idea that God had ordained me, in essential words, (laughs) to be able to do special things for his kingdom. I didn't know I had been given special gifts and talents. I didn't know that I was special. In fact, I had spent most of my adult life being told I wasn't special. I was a problem gambler. 
No one seemed to tell me all the great things I was doing in life. Instead, they would tell me the things I was messing up at. So I had never really felt important, felt special, felt like I mattered in life. Most nights I went to bed, I didn't want to wake up. But when I heard that God had a special plan for my life, one, it it was very significant because it made me realize God's love for me. That even though the people who are closest to me in my life, my friends and some family who would considerably considerably be effective in telling me that I wasn't good at doing life and that I wasn't very effective at making a bright future for myself, (laughs) using nice words, that it was the first time I really felt special and loved in a way that was natural and overwhelming, the way that God loves us. God created us to be loved. God, of course, loves us more than we could ever, ever ask or think. God's love for me was shown apparent when I realized that, and I really believed it. The second I heard it, I just knew it was true. God had a plan for me. God had gifts and talents for me. I needed to start praying and asking for it, something I'd never done before in my life. My prayer life up until that moment was praying over food, and that was if I remembered. I remember keeping a journal after I got born again. I sometimes refer back to that journal to see where I've come in my walk with Christ. Sometimes I look at it and go, man, I I was very immature in this area. And sometimes I look at it and go, man, why am I still not on fire like I was back then? Why don't I still do this like I used to? Why do I think like this like I used to? Because we go through ebbs and flows of our Christian faith. In our walk with Christ, it seems to change from year to year, from day to day. Hopefully it doesn't change in the area of our faith in Christ, but rather changes in our behavior, whether we become more or less on fire for God, more or less able to carry out God's will for our life. I want to be a person who, at the end of my sentence, the end of my life here on earth, I will have run this race that God's given me, that I will have the endurance to finish the tasks set before me. However, I know that you might say, well, I'm too old for this, and you know, God never told me what to do. I would say to you, God redeems lost time, Joel 2.25. When I hear people say that you know that they're sort of too late, they've sort of missed the bus on it, I just think, well, I could have said the same thing. I was 29 years old. I, certainly I couldn't go back to high school and college and do it all over again. Well, I miss school. I must not be able to do God's will. You don't need, you don't need a college degree to be able to follow God's path for your life. What you need is faith in God and faith that he can redeem the lost time, that he can fast forward where he needs you to be for the second that he needs you to be there. God has a plan where you're going to be in the right place at the right time with the right gift at the right perfect moment to see someone get saved, to influence an impactful decision for the kingdom, to be able to help right when someone needs it, to be able to serve right when someone needs it, to be able to help your family right when they need it. But you're going to miss out on that opportunity if you do not find, if you do not pursue, if you do not ask God what his plan for your life is. Because we have free will choice as humans. God has given us the choice to either accept Christ as Lord or to not accept Christ as Lord. We don't get to choose the method of salvation. God chose that for us when he sent his son to die on the cross for us. We just get to choose whether or not we believe in that. Do we believe Christ as Lord or do we believe Christ historically is just a man who came and died on this earth? Some people don't even believe he lived, (laughs) Uh, although scholars have seemingly knocked that one down. Anyway, what does God want you to do with your life? Do you know? This is a great place to start on how to find God's sense for your life. We want to teach you how to find passion, which is the first of three steps that we teach here on the show and in our ministry for you to find God's sentence for your life. Finding passion. What is it? How do we get there? We're going to talk about three ways to find passion. The first story we're going to talk about comes straight from the Bible and our perspective on this story. You can find it in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. It says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival, and when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they discovered him in the temple, sitting among the the religious leaders, listening to them, and 
asking questions. All who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't think, didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Jesus then replied, but why do you need to search? He asked, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? His parents did not understand what he meant. Then Jesus returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Luke 2.52 says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Here's the story. You've heard it out of the Bible itself. Jesus is 12 years old. They're going to a festival with the family. Uh, from what I've been told and learned that this is a long-time festival. This is not something that you just go to for the weekend. This isn't like something we would think about. July 4th festival down at the Arch, you just go for the afternoon. This is something they had to travel to. Generally, you know, their whole family and their extended family would be at these places. And you know how you go to a family reunion and you don't necessarily keep an eye on your kid as if you're the only person there because you figure someone has an eye on them. This is that same situation going on at this festival where Jesus is with a lot of his family and his extended cousins and people that are, you know, familiar to Mary and Joseph, his parents. So Jesus gets lost. They, in fact, it says they travel for days without even noticing he was gone because, again, they're traveling for days and even weeks in this giant group of family and friends. And I'm not talking about just a group of like 10 or 12. These are probably, you're looking at hundreds of people who all know each other and are familiar with each other from the, the neck of the house they were from because they had to travel miles and a, a large distance to get to the city where they were having the festival back home. So Jesus gets lost. They finally realize, hey, no one seems to know where Jesus was, so they go everywhere to look for him. And when they finally find him, they don't find him on the soccer field. They don't find him at the market. They don't find him at the restaurant. They find him in the church. And when he was in the church, notice this, that he wasn't just sitting in the church wondering what was going on. He was actively participating in the service. He was asking questions. He was listening he wasn't just talking. He was also listening. That's a key point here. We're trying to be able to learn how to find passion in our life. Let's look at the life of Jesus to give us an example for finding passion in our life. Jesus was at the church. He was listening and asking questions. Let me stop here. When you go to church, do you listen or do you zone out? <laughs> I've been known to zone out a couple times. Let's be real. There's also times I'm listening intently. What I don't often do is ask questions. Unless it's with the wife in the car afterwards, right? Christ is giving us the example that in order to learn, it's not just about teaching other people what we know and being the loudest mouth in the room. It's about asking questions. It's about discovering new things. And when Christ gave the answers that God put on his heart, it said that others were amazed at the answers. So this 12-year-old boy, who was also God, but living his life as a, as a man was able to understand God's word better than most of us and was able to then teach it to us. But at the same time, he also asked questions. He also was listening so that he could learn. He didn't come into this world and know everything. And sometimes I think that even adult people, adult humans think they know everything. I certainly did when I was growing up and when I was making all these problem gambling decisions, I thought I knew everything. When I was a teenager, it was probably worse. I probably really thought, you know, mom doesn't know what she's talking about. Dad doesn't know what he's talking about. My friends, my family. No, the things that I had in my head were always the right things to be thinking. I had the best opinions about politics, the best opinions about music. I knew what the best shows on TV were. I knew what the best school to go to was or not go to in my case when I dropped out. I knew all of the things. <laughs> I was a smarty pants. I wasn't asking a lot of questions. I wasn't doing a lot of listening. I was doing a lot of talking. So that's when I found a passion for sin in my life because I wasn't at God's house. I wasn't in his word. I wasn't trying to establish to establish a you know a conversation between myself and God. But 12-year-old Jesus is the example. Three ways to find passion on tonight's show. Luke 2:52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God, and in favor with man. 
The first way to find passion in your life is to understand that God has a testimony for you to fulfill. Jesus says in verse 49, don't you know that I should be about my father's business? This is what he responds to the question when he's asked by his parents and his friends that were looking for him. Why are you in here? Why were you hiding? Jesus simply says, why did you even think to search anywhere but here, essentially? You knew that I was the son of God. Shouldn't you know that I'm in the house of the Lord? Shouldn't you know that I should be about my father's business, the King James Bible says. My father's business. Jesus says, hey, I know what the family business is. I know what God's plan for my life is. In this culture, the Hebrew culture, especially in the Bible, you took the profession of your father. So using this language about doing my father's business, he's referring to the fact that young men would take up the family business. So if you were a fisherman, if your dad was a fisherman, you would become a fisherman. Your dad's a carpenter, you become a carpenter, etc., etc. And for most kids, they knew what they were going to be when they grew up. They knew what the plans for their future were. And in the same situation, Christ knew that he was going to die on the cross for our sins, die on the cross for mankind, live his life perfectly as an answer to the payment of sin. And he spent his entire life getting closer to God from the age of 12 until his ministry at 30. He was getting closer to God. He was finding a passion for God. The next time we see Jesus in the Bible after Luke two is when he's getting baptized by John. So there's this big gap, at least in the gospel of Luke where Jesus is 12 years old and he's at the temple saying, don't you know I'm going to be trying to do my dad's work? And then jump 18 years later, he's being baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist and about to begin his ministry of sharing the gospel in the new covenant. Jesus Christ spent 18 years growing closer, it says in Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature with God and with man. This is incredible knowledge to us if we're trying to grow in passion today. Why? Because one, it shows that even Jesus knew that he had a plan for his future. Even the young men of that time knew they had a plan from God. So today, God, who is the same today, yesterday, and forever, has a plan for you. So the first way to find passion in your life is to understand, really recognize that God has a testimony for you to fulfill in His life, in your life. God has something for you to do. And when you do it, when you actively pursue that testimony, you're going to have to grow in wisdom and maturity. This is what Jesus did. This is the example that is given to us. How do you grow in wisdom and maturity? You get closer to God. You spend time in God's house. You spend time talking to God. It shouldn't be a surprise that people know that you read your Bible, that you spend time at church, that you spend time with other believers. That's what Jesus says to Mary. Yeah, you found me, but why were you looking everywhere except where, of course, I'm going to be? So when people are looking for you in your life, it should be a similar answer. Where's John? Oh, he went to church. Oh, well, John's reading his Bible. Oh, well, John's trying to help out with his ministry. Or John's working for the Lord. What are you doing in your life that matches up with God's will? People should start to recognize you for doing those things, and it's evidence of you finding passion in your life. You want to find God's sentence for your life? Finding passion's the first way to do it. And this is your step to find passion today. Get closer to God. At 12 years old, Jesus knew that he needed to get closer to God so he could grow in wisdom and maturity. He could accept responsibility for the, that's what the definition of maturity is, accepting responsibility for what you're supposed to do. Christ, at 12 years old, knew that he needed to be able to grow and the ability to accept responsibility for dying on the cross so that 18 years later, when he started his ministry, he could then fulfill Finally, be in the right place at the right time, at the right moment, with the right words to be able to change the history of this planet and our mankind. For you, God has the right place, the right moment, the right time, the right gift. And it might take some time to develop it and get you ready for it. And that's why passion is so important. You can't just skip ahead to the end. You can't be on the last page when you've still got to get fed 
on all the middle chapters. You may not be ready for that right place, right moment yet, that right task. But finding passion is going to get you to a place where you can be. Without being in the Word at 12 years old, would Jesus be ready at 30? Would he? Would Jesus have to wait till he was 40 or 50? I don't know. God is perfect, and he was perfect. Don't get me wrong. I know this. But for us, the example here is that Christ spent 18 years getting closer to God before he finally stepped out and did it. You think Christ could have died at 22? Sure he could have. Could he have died at 52? Sure he could have. But he died at 30, died at this age, died at 33, at this age where he was able to finally accept responsibility. He had grown in maturity, he had grown in wisdom, and he was finally able to share it with everybody else to be at the right moment, the right time to do the right thing. I want you to be able to find that in your life. The greatest story ever told is the story of the passion of the Christ. The passion of the Christ. Meaning that Christ had so much passion, they named the definition of the word after Do you have passion in your life today? That's what we're talking about. That's what we want you to find. The greatest story ever told in your life can be found in three simple steps. We're going to talk about them on tonight's show. Don't go away. We'll be back with reason number two. You can find passion in your life. You're listening to the new John Simmons show, part of the Testimony House Network. John Simmons Show is part of the Testimony House Network. To learn more about the network or to watch other network programs, please visit testimonyhouse.org. Now, here's the new John Simmons. Back here on the new John Simmons show. If you want to get connected with the show, our brand new Facebook page, the new John Simmons show, all you have to do is search for it. Follow us. Give us a like. And don't forget to hit the button that says, show me all the notifications because otherwise you may not get everything we post. We post uh, links to past episodes as well as photos, links to upcoming guests, and also some videos we're going to start putting together here. You can also link to our YouTube page through that same avenue. If you want to get connected with me, Look for at new John Simmons on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and we can get connected that way as well. That's how you stay connected with the show, everything we're up to, and what we're all about here on the show. One of the things we're about is passion, how to find it in your life, how to successfully navigate the plan that God has for your future. We believe the first step after finding Christ, of course, is to step out and passionately serve the Lord. The passion of the Christ, the story of Christ's resurrection, and death for payment of our sins. We often refer to this story as the greatest story ever told. There was a movie about it, the same name. They use the word passion when regarding Christ. Why? Because Christ knew the plan that God had for his future, and he successfully fulfilled it. It became the greatest story ever told. In the same way, God has a plan for your life, and if you successfully complete it, It'll be the greatest story ever told in your life. There are many ways you can end your life. There's many ways you can live your life. But there's one thing that God has for you to do, and it's to follow his will. Follow his will in all the areas of your life. When you're able to successfully prepare and plan and execute the will of his kingdom in your life, we call it finding God's sentence for your life. We see this in Hebrews 11, where the testimonies and the recordings of the testimonies of men and women of faith who actively pursued and executed God's sentence for their life. And it also tells the stories of many people who started to follow God and weren't able to complete the sentence that God had for them. Ultimately, it stems down to this. Are you a person who's willing to follow God's plan for your life, regardless of what it ends up as, regardless of what the end result is? What if God's sentence for your life is not that you end up being president, but rather that you try really hard to start something and it doesn't finish? We've heard many testimonies throughout 
many of our lives where we can point to someone who, like Walt Disney, who had a vision, so many visions for the world, executed all these things and then died before Epcot Center was opened, wasn't able to see it through, wasn't able to see the great growth of Walt Disney Company since his death. He was able to execute and see the building of the Walt Disney you know, studios and also the first Disneyland. But he wasn't around recently when, they, when they're spending $50 billion to acquire 21st Century Fox and acquiring Star Wars and all these other things, right? We may not see the promised land that comes from having God's sentence fulfilled in our lives. Moses didn't get to see the promised land. It's okay, though, because our our heart, our heart, our motivation for living out God's sentence for our life is not for our own fulfillment. We can find satisfaction using our gifts and talents to serve the Lord. But the results, and this needs to be important for us to recognize, that the results may not be what we expect them to be. If we expect to have our name on some building, it may not happen. If we expect to see the ending of our sentence while we're alive, it may not happen. It may happen after we're gone. It may never happen because it might just be something we're doing to set up something else for the future. What we do know is that God's called us to do something. And God's ultimate plan on this earth to show the, to show the gospel to every mouth, ear, and tongue, to show the gospel through every person, this is the plan that he has for us. Our walk on earth is to use our life to be a light to the gospel of Jesus Christ and he who lives in us. You want to find God's plan for your life? If you want to fulfill the things that God has for you, we teach you to find passion first. Three ways you can find passion on tonight's show. First was to know that God has a testimony for your future and that when you walk it out, you'll have to grow in wisdom and maturity. Number two in our three ways to find passion in your life is to make sure you're finding the right passion. Avoid passions of the flesh. You are going to live in passion. You are going to find passion whether you believe in Christ or not. The passion that we're talking about is finding a passion for God in your life. It's the passion that Christ found. It's the passion of the Christ is that he was able to exhibit a strong emotion, which is the definition of the word passion, by the way. Christ was able to exhibit a strong emotion for mankind and die for our sins. A strong emotion is love, hate, anger, joy, by definition. God was able to show his love. That's why we hear in John 3.16, God loved so much that he gave. God loved so much that he gave his only son. God loved, meaning God had passion for us. Christ came and Christ had passion for us. So now we must, as humans, find passion for God. It seems like a fair trade, right? God showed passion for us. Christ showed passion for us. Can we also show passion for God? These aren't just things we're making up. These are things that God has showed us through his word. I'm just a dumb poker dealer. (laughs) I don't know anything, but what I know is what I found out in my life is that God did have a plan for me. God transformed my life 180 degrees. 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, when Christ comes into your life, your old life should go away, your new life has begun. I am living a brand new life. I mean, it's like I hit a reset button. You ever said, you, you know, I wish I could just go back and restart. I wish I could go back and just start over or go back to this one section of life and do that again. And That's sort of what I did. It's incredible. It's not that the first 29 years of my life didn't happen. But it's just like I just I, I turned around and got on a rocket ship and went a million miles in the other direction. It's awesome. I'm nowhere near the struggle that I was in, the frustration, the anger, the bitterness, the sadness, the suicidal thoughts and tendencies that I had as a unsaved person who was not following the will of God, not seeking out godly passions. Instead, I was seeking out sinful passion in my life, desiring to gamble all the time, desiring to bet on sports and bet on who was going to walk in the room next, and I would bet on anything. Bet on what color shoes you were going to have when you came to school tomorrow. I would bet on everything. I wasn't scared. (laughs) It was just this passion I had in my life, and that's what we're talking about tonight, how to find passion in your life, but passions aren't always going to be godly. But all of us are going to find passion because a passion is just something that we have a strong emotion for something that we love, something we hate. These are going to cause us to have life-changing choices. We're not supposed to be led by our emotions, the Bible says. We're trying to be able to live a life where we consider God's will above our emotions. Emotions often cause us to 
do things or say things in the moment that we wouldn't if we had time to process. Okay. But strong emotions are different because they we consider them when making long life changing choices. For instance, Christ loved us so much that he died on the cross for us. He made a life-changing choice. Wars have been started because people hate other people. They hate America and they send planes into our buildings. Strong emotion causes life-changing choices. However, a weaker emotion, say like sadness or grief, these are emotions, but they don't often cause us to make life-changing choices. I might be sad we made plans to go see a movie and you bailed on me, but I'm not going to then make a life-changing choice and drop out of school or you know start dating someone else. These are not things that are caused by me missing the movie. Life-changing choices are what we're trying to have passion guide us towards, but ultimately we want our life-changing choices to be to flee from sinful passions and pursue godly passions. What are some sinful passions? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Bible talks about this, 2 Timothy 3. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people, that means us, will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. Oh my goodness. God really didn't pull back at any <laughs> treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. We should avoid such people. And I would assume avoid being such people as well. Sinful passions. God, give us a big list here, guys. There's a lot of stuff that falls into these categories. People without self-control, people who don't love good, people who are heartless, not able to love. How about how about your, killed, your children being disobedient to their parents? This is a sinful passion. We want to avoid these things. Why? Because they teach us to go down a road that's not going to provide God's sentence in the end. The devil's going to try and steer us clear away from the plans God has for our life. And he does it by walking into our lives in these areas, making us lovers of money and lovers of self, meaning that we work because we need that dollar. We want to buy the next big thing. We want to use that money to go on a vacation. We don't see money as a resource to serve the kingdom. Lovers of self, meaning that not just that we want to you know, look at ourselves in the mirror and just say, oh, I just love myself so much. No, that we want to do what makes us happy. We want to watch the shows that make us happy. We want to live with the person who makes us happy. We don't have to get married to them. We want to be able to go see the the R-rated movie that we want to do. We want to talk and have the language that we want to use. We want to use those filthy words. We want to just not worry about being a steward of our money. We want to be in debt. We want to have all these things in our life going on that we've made the choices for because we think that, well, if I do what God wants me to do, I'm going to be a slave. Listen, I'd rather be a slave to the Lord than a slave to sin because that's what we're doing. We're a slave to something. You can either be a slave to sin or you can be a slave to the Lord who is your owner. That's what the word Lord means, by the way. If you didn't know, when we say <laughs> Jesus Christ is our Lord, it means he's our owner. He, he he bought us on the cross with his blood, bought our lives, our souls, thankfully, because he's going to be a, a much better owner than the sin in our lives, which is going to guide us to do things like loving ourselves more than God. And this is the opposite of what the two commandments that Christ say are at the top of all the other commandments in our lives. We should love God with our heart, mind, and strength and love others as ourself. We have to avoid passions of the flesh. This is number two on our three ways of finding passion in our life. You're trying to find God's sentence for your life. It starts with finding passion. First, you have to know that God has a testimony for your life. Then realize that as you get closer to God, you're going to grow in wisdom and maturity. Why? Because there's a period of time between the time that you start walking in passion and that you find yourself being in the moment or the spot or the position or the opportunity to fulfill the big thing that God has for you to fulfill. It took a long time for Noah to build that boat. It took a long time for Abraham to have Isaac. It took a long time for the apostles to become the, the champions of Christ that they ended up becoming. 
The day you find passion is not the day that your sentence arrives. It's not the, the period on the sentence. It's the first chapter. God has a sentence for your life, but it takes steps. Even Christ at 12 years old started his journey to figuring out and walking out the path that God had for him. Are you doing that today in your own life? Are you trying to find the passions from God in your life, meaning you're trying to seek after maturity and wisdom and Bible reading and trying to seek after being a, a person who loves God more than they love money and more than they love themselves. You're trying to do things outside of God's will no longer and starting to do things inside God's will. You're trying to avoid passion of the flesh. This is a step, guys. This is a legitimate step. The same scripture, 2 Timothy 3, goes on to say, For among them are those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. There are people, the Bible says in this chapter, in the last days, people who will try and capture weak women. <laughs> Haven't we seen a lot of this on the news, guys? Talk about the Bible not being relevant in today's area. I mean, this is speaking right to the significant stories and headlines that have been in the news the last six months of all the men who have been caught or accused or whether right or wrong, there has been a lot of stories, whether true or not, we haven't come to the agreement yet on all of these things, but for many of them, we believe them to be true. Men who have captured weak women, they creep into households. They do things they're not supposed to. They are led astray by what? Various passions. The Bible says you will find passion in your life. If you don't find a passion to to read your Bible, you might find a passion to read a different kind of book, to read a book that will lead you down a, a bad path. If you don't find a passion to spend time with God and the, and the Word and other believers or your spouse, you might find yourself spending time at the bar, spending time with friends who are doing things that maybe the casino like I used to do, or maybe you find yourself in the arms of another woman. The things that you do in your life, you will find passion about something. You're going to find something that piques your interest. You're going to find something that you want to spend time doing. But if you don't focus on finding passion for godly things, this is the result. This verse continues to say that people will always try to learn, but they don't arrive at the knowledge of truth. What does that mean? To me, I see it this way, is that there's going to be a lot of people who think they know everything. These guys who went around and used their power and their profession to be able to lure women into areas they didn't want to be lured into or try to commit acts that they shouldn't have been committing. They would tell you that they knew what was best for their lives and they were trying to make themselves happy. But that is not the truth because the true way to find joy in your life, again, happiness is a fleeting feeling. You could be happy one minute and lose your happiness the next. The Bible says we should try and live for joy in our life. And the Bible says our life can overflow with joy, if we put our trust and our faith into Jesus Christ, Romans fifteen thirteen. These guys were doing what made them happy. But God says we can find joy, which is extended happiness, being in the state of happiness, not being able to leave being happy no matter what our circumstances is. You might be happy you won $10, but if I ran over your toe with my car, you're not going to be happy anymore. But if you have joy, I could run over your foot with my car and you could be like, oh, man, I'm just glad I'm not dead. <laughs> you know, joy, it surpasses happiness. And you want to arrive at the knowledge of truth, the Bible says right here. It comes from knowing that what you want to do doesn't make you happy ultimately. Doing what God wants you to do will end up bringing you more joy in your life than you can know what to do with. It overflows, the Bible says. You might have a cup of happiness, but God says, I'm going to, Dump so much joy into your life, it's going to fill that cup up. It's going to spill on the table in your life. It's going to get down in the nooks and the crannies of your life. It's going to spill. You're not going to be able to pick it up. You're not going to have enough paper towels to wipe up all the joy I'm going to spill on you. Overflow joy in your life. Do you want some of that today? Let me tell you, you can find it today. You can start to walk down God's path for your life. You can begin to build a life that finds God's sentence. All you have to do is find passion. This is the second way to find it. Avoid the sinful passions. Avoid the passions of the flesh. Look at this list for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. 2 Timothy 3, a list of sinful passions and how we can avoid it. God's life wants you to overflow with joy, peace, and hope. You can find those things 
find passion in your life today. When we come back, we'll finish up this list number three on our ways to find passion on today's broadcast. You're listening to the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. Behind-the-scenes photos and get the latest news from the show. All you have to do is follow at New John Simmons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now let's get back to the New John Simmons Show. Finding passion is the first step in how to find God's sentence for your life, but finding faith is the final step. I wrote the, the last book in the in the series first. It is available now over at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com. You can also check out the website, NewJohnSimmons.com, to pick up a copy of Finding Faith, my first book, written in October 2015. I'm ready to share my testimonies with you and also the things that I've learned in the areas of faith, just like I'm sharing with you right now the areas of passion that I've learned God has a special plan and a sentence for your life, and you can find it by finding passion, vision, and faith. So if you want to grow in your area of faith walk and be able to do some things for God that maybe you've never thought possible or be able to hear the testimonies of people who have walked out successful things for God in faith, be able to be encouraged by the blessings and the results that come from walking out a faith-filled life, this is the book for you. Finding Faith, available at bookstores now. All you have to do is order it on newjohnsimmons.com to get a copy signed by me and the new John Simmons. All right, everybody, wrapping up our list of three ways to find passion in your life. Finding passion, the first step to finding God's sentence for your life after you find Christ. You cannot find God's sentence for your life without Christ. You can stumble upon maybe, maybe the gifts that God has for you. You can be successful by using godly principles in your life because the principles of the Bible, meaning how to act, how to talk, how to walk, how to treat others, these things will bring great blessings into your life if you do them. You can be a great husband without being a Christian if you do the things that the Bible says to do to be a good husband. You know, you can be a good business leader by doing the things the Bible says to do to be a good leader, okay? The principles of the Bible work whether you believe in God or not, but God's sentence for your life does not work without believing in God. The stories that are written in Hebrews 11 are not written about people who do not know God. That does not show the stories of people who just did great things in the earth. Not the celebrities, not the people who just stood out above the crowd. No, the stories of Hebrews 11, which lists the recorded testimonies of people who faithfully walked out God's sentence, are done because these people knew and trusted and had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew God the Father. They knew the Father of Abraham. They knew these things. They had a relationship with him. They heard from God. Are you a person who says God doesn't talk to us today? John 10, 27 says that the Lord speaks to us and that we should know what his voice sounds like. And when we hear it, we should follow him. Where are you following God today? Are you trying to pursue the sentence that he has for your life? Or are you disregarding and making all the choices yourself? Where to go, where to act, what to do tonight for dinner, what to go and see at the movie on Friday, what to do with your weekend, what to do when you go to school, what job you should have, how you should act at work, what you should talk about to your coworkers, do you consider God in any of these choices? If not, I would ask you to start pursuing God in a way you never have before, spending your time thinking about the Lord, spending your time getting closer to God. However you choose to do that, it will lead you down a path where you can start hearing from God better. And when you start hearing from God better, you're going to be able to start clearly seeing the vision that he has for your future. So number three, on our list of three ways to find passion today. Number one was know that God has a testimony to fulfill through you. Number two was avoid the passions of the flesh. And number three, this is not an exhaustive list, by the way. These are just the three we're giving you today, trying to help you right now, right now in your walk with Christ. Number three, third way to find passion, learn to do what God asks, even when it's hard. God's going to ask you to do something that's uncomfortable. I guarantee it. 
I was asked to start a ministry when I didn't even know what the word meant. I was asked to start speaking in public, even though I had a natural fear, like throw up beforehand fear of public speaking. And now I'm talking on the radio to you guys. God will ask you to do things that are uncomfortable because why? We have to lean on him to do these things. If everything he asks us to do was easy, it wouldn't be him doing it. It'd be us doing it. If I could do it on my own, I don't need God. If I could figure out a way to live my life perfectly, I don't need God. No, I need Jesus. I needed Jesus to die on the cross for me. I need God to be in my life. I need the Holy Spirit to convict me of sin because I'm broken. I'm I'm lost. I'm sinful. And so are you. And it's okay to be. God knew we were going to be. But when we start to follow God's plan for our life, we have to realize that it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be sort of crazy maybe. He asked Sarah to have a baby at 99. He asked Abraham to move away where he was comfortable, take his whole family, and his family was like, what are you talking about? I don't want to move. Lot ends up losing his wife, turns into salt. The apostles, you know, these guys were just, guys just, they were catching fish with, with dad and mom, selling fish at the market. All of a sudden, Jesus walks up and he's like, hey, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And these guys heard the voice of God and they followed it. Would you give up what you have today to go follow Christ where he asked you to go? If you're at your job today and Jesus walked in and was like, hey, I need you to come with me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Are you dropping it behind? When I was asked to start my ministry and he asked me to quit my job finally, I didn't do it. (laughs) It took me months of pleading with God. And it took a miraculous incident where a person spoke to me at the casino that I'd never talked to before and told me that it was time to quit my job. It took a miracle, a literal miracle, signs and wonders for people who say they don't exist. I've seen them. Myself, you can't convince me otherwise. Gifts and wonders and signs, they are alive today and well. God speaks to us, but when he speaks to us, he might ask us to do something that's hard to do. He asked Jesus to do something that was hard. He asked Jesus to die for our sins. And it's recorded in the Gospels that right before Jesus gave his life over to the Romans and to the Jews to be killed, that he went to the prayer, he went to go pray at the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 36 starts to tell the story of Jesus when he goes to pray. And in verse 39, it's recorded that Jesus, while praying, says, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watching, pray, so that You will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak, Jesus says. He went to pray a second time, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 44 says, He went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Jesus Christ three times prayed for God to take his death on the cross away. Asked for it to be done a different way. You can read into these scriptures and see that even though he wanted God's will to be done, he was having a hard time trying to follow through with it. He ended up following through with it, but he wanted to talk about it with God a lot, three times. This is the only time we see God consider a prayer more than once. He would get on other people when they lacked faith in an area. Command this mountain to go. Command it to go in the sea and it will be done. That's how he told us to speak. He, he spoke with authority. And at the end of his life and his prayer with Christ, right before He put the exclamation point on the greatest story ever told. It is written that he asked God to take it away from him. But he said, your will be done, God, not my own. This is why I believe that God calls it the passion of the Christ. This moment right here. His emotion was running so rampant he was sweating blood. His whether he wanted to do this or whether I, I, I can't, it doesn't talk about the, the physical emotion of Jesus, but I have to imagine if he's going to, to God three times in prayer and he's frustrated with the other apostles for sleeping and he's starting to, you know, starting to come to the end of his life and he knows it. And he's spending this time asking God if there's any other way, if there's any other thing he can do to fulfill God's will. And that's the sort of questions we might ask to God. I ask myself, God, am I really supposed to quit my job to start this ministry full time? Was Abraham really supposed to run away from where he was living? Were the apostles really supposed to go with Jesus? These are the questions that 
honest questions that get answered, that get asked when you're following God's sentence for your life. Ultimately, Christ is the example, though. And Christ said, your will be done, not my own, even though it was difficult, even though it was hard, even though he may not have wanted to do it, even though he would have done anything differently. He did God's will above his own. And that's what number three on our list is, ways to find passion in your life. You're going to have to learn to do what God asks of you, even when it's hard to do. You're going to have to start off maybe in the small areas. Flee from some of the sin in your life. You're going to have to listen to that conviction in your heart. You're going to have to run from the things that God doesn't want you to do. Maybe you maybe you got a potty mouth. Maybe you're a drinker. Maybe you don't treat your wife like right. Maybe you don't serve your husband well enough. Maybe you love your kids more than your spouse. Maybe you love TV more than your Bible reading. Whatever it is for you, there's going to be something in your life God's going to teach you to do differently than the way you want to do it or the way that you currently do it. This is your training ground, guys. This is my training ground. Because the day will come where we're trying to put the period on the end of God's sentence for our life. And when we get there, the right time, the right place, the right moment, are we going to have the ability, like Christ, no matter how hard it is, no matter how hard we may not want to do it, no matter how difficult it may seem, that we're willing to say, but your will, God, not my own. When we get to that point, it will be an exclamation point on whether or not we found passion in our life what we want you to find in your life because passion leads to vision vision leads to faithfully walking out God's plan for your life you can find God's sentence for your life you can become the new you in the new year I'm the new John Simmons who are the new you share your stories with us over at newjohnsimmons.com let us know what's going on in your life that God is transforming will transform and what you're believing for we'd love to share your stories on the air that's going to do it for tonight's show everybody finding passion is a step but it's just one step closer to God's final plan for your life. Don't miss it, guys. Don't miss this opportunity to let God fulfill through you his plans that he created for you before you were even born. Head over to newjohnsimmons.com for past episodes on the Apple iTunes store. You can also search for me at New John Simmons on Instagram or Twitter and search for The New John Simmons Show on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening to the show, everybody, tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. Until next time, I pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today. Thanks for listening to the new John Simmons show, part of the testimony house network to replay this episode or listen to past episodes. Look for the new John Simmons show podcast on your mobile device. Stay connected to the show, read the latest news, blog posts, and see behind the scenes photos by following at new John Simmons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like to learn more about how you can begin to write God's sentence for your life or join a growing community of people who are finding passion, vision, and faith for their lives, please visit NewJohnSimmons.com. Until next time, we pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today.